And there was a little spider distracting me. Oh, on the wall. On the wall. Oh, that would have had me going. Welcome to the Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, DC, and I have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management. If you've been listening and like what you're hearing, head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and we have another fabulous returning guest today, one of my favorite people, Lori Daniels. She's back to talk to us about child care, child development, and a lot of what is going on in the world with school and we're trying to return to school this year. So if you missed Lori's first episode, it aired earlier on um, during the stay-at-home, safer-at-home era here in Colorado, giving lots of fantastic, illuminating um, information about childhood development and how to meet your kids where they're at. And Lori is back today. And now she has some new projects that she's launching. So with over 30 years of experience working with children and parents in homes and Waldorf school communities, Lori will guide you in determining what expectations are realistic and how to lovingly meet your child through the lens of age-appropriate child development. She's doing parent coaching through raphaelsgarden.org. So be sure to check her out. Welcome, Lori. Thank you. So happy to be here. <laughs> so happy to be here. And I'm happy we can do this in person. Yes. It's so much nicer than looking through a screen. I know. Well, how much we've adapted to that and had to try. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But kind of we can jump right in along that line. It's just, you know, we're doing so much more screen time and kids are being asked to do so much more screen time. I feel like that was something we touched on quite a bit, even just during the safer at home phase, because we were talking about, you know, we have to make the parenting choices that we can, and sometimes that includes more TV time. Mm -hmm. But now kids are being asked to be on, on the computer for school, so many of them. That's right. What, you know, it's it's a rock and a hard place because, you know, we need to keep the school safe, we need to keep our community safe, but we also need to meet our kids where they're at. Can we talk a little bit about where our kids are at trying to get into that computer line? Yes. Well, our young children, mm -hmm. our young children under that are still in kindergarten, in mm -hmm. preschool, that um, really the world mm -hmm. is there where they learn. Mm -hmm. That's how they learn. They learn from doing, from being in the world. And um, they're not really going to learn what we think they should learn or could learn on a screen because they need this face-to-face. -face. Just, just as we need the face-to-face -to, -face mm -hmm. to make a connection, they even, to a greater extent, need this to learn because they use all of their senses in their learning. They use their touch, their smell, mm -hmm. they use their sight, they use their hearing, but they also use their whole bodies. Yeah. They use their movement. And, and to think that a child can sit in front of a screen and I don't know what all of the schools are expecting children to do, but um, but any way they do it, they still need to be able to connect with the warmth of another human being. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you feel when you look at a screen, but I certainly don't feel warm and fuzzy from, even if I see somebody that I know and love on mm -hmm. a screen, there's still that piece that's missing, which is warmth from, from the other. 
Yeah, it, it takes a kind of practice and a suspension of uh, of a little bit of reality. Um, I was speaking with a podcast guest. She happened to be on the East Coast, so that one had to be Zoom anyway. And now I'm, I'm mixing up two names, and I can't remember which one said it. But we were talking about how it takes a little of imagination. Because when you sit down at the computer and you see that screen right in front of you, and then you see your room as it exists around you, you have to extend this sort of imaginary bubble to envelop this other side of the screen and sort of imagine that they might be in your space, that their backdrop to their room, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, the backdrop to the room that you're in, though it's it's visually different. There, there's a lot of suspension of belief and imagination that um, th- there's, a, can I say like there's object permanence with kiddos that mm-hmm. m- that's a big ask. That's right. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, it's it's easier for us as adults to say, mm-hmm. well, here I am sitting, and I know you, the teacher, mm-hmm. you are sitting in the classroom, and I can imagine myself as a student sitting in a classroom, and there you are with the board behind you mm-hmm. and your teacher's desk there, but a young child doesn't have that ability to just yeah. say, oh, okay, here we are, this is the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's they see I'm sitting in my... Um, blank room, whatever room that is in your house, your kitchen, your living room, mm-hmm. their bedroom, and and they don't see and they can't even imagine their friends around them. Um, and they might see them on the screen and get excited and just wave and and yeah. say hello. And, um, and then they want to get up and move and do something that they connect to. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a really great thing to point out is that they're in the room that they are conditioned to behave a certain way in that room as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we're kind of bringing all of this up um, for the parents and even just acknowledging that this is hard. And if there are moments where, you know, you're going through your kid's day, your school day, needing to log them in, log them off, and it's a, why is it this hard? Why won't you just you know, insert any of the <laughs> things that we're struggling with these days. There's a lot of really good developmental reason to the why we won't just. So if your kiddo is trying to do distance learning in the living room, but that also happens to be the room where their toys are, well, this is the room where we can play. <laughs> or this is where we play with the dog. Or this is where I watch TV. And so it becomes a bit of a stretch to say, well, why do I have to sit still in this room? This is the wiggle room. This is the eating room. Why am I not eating in this eating room? And I think to just normalize what these kids are going through in that way. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and I'll go off on a mm-hmm. out on a limb to say <laughs> this is um, I do know people that have started um, school and then stopped. Mm-hmm. And they say this this isn't working. Mm-hmm. My to to uh, children getting headaches, mm-hmm. um, children because of the eye strain, um, breakdowns because it's just too hard. This is just too out of the ordinary for them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of children these days are very sensitive to many things, and and the adults are expecting something that shouldn't be expected from this age group. And I say, you know, if it's not working for your family, there are are other options right now Mm -hmm. than just saying we've got to do this because I need to work, Mm -hmm. which is a real problem. It's realistic. 
but um, there are other options and whether it's getting a homeschooling group together and ha- creating your own pod mm-hmm. and maybe having a nanny or teacher slash nanny in there with the children that can do school yeah you know and they can they can be together but for those for those who don't have that option and mm-hmm. that that have to do um, online schooling um, I also think that we need to advocate for our children mm-hmm. and that if we see that it's not working, that maybe we contact the teacher and say, well, what else can we do? Mm-hmm. How can we make this work? Could we, could we break it into smaller bits? So rather than having a child sit at a computer for an hour at a time, mm-hmm. which is too much, um, why not after 20 minutes have a little break? They can go run around outside for a minute, go swing, go you know, take a 10-minute break every Mm -hmm. 20 minutes and and get moving have a little snack um and and i think with this age group too for the parents that are working um if they can just log them into the computer in Mm -hmm. the morning and not have to log on and off Mm -hmm. but just you know keep it steady yeah videos can be turned off sound, sound can be turned off children then can just um, go back and forth. They can just have a little period of time and then go out, get the wiggles out. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure that they have the opportunity to get out. If they can't get outside, then to have some activities inside, whether it's just having them jump on a little mini trampoline or... Um, on the pillows, giving that uneven Jumping service on the pillows. Yeah. I mean, they could jump off the sofa into pillows. They <laughs> can, there are a lot of activities, just anything that provides some movement. Maybe they could even, you could even have a little, um, a little bucket of water mm-hmm. that they can go and, and pour, pour a water and just table kind of thing. Feel the, you know, yeah. get that experience of something with that. So, um, yeah. Well, I think, in the, and what this all comes around to when we talk about advocating to the teachers or parents who have pulled their children from online learning, like there's so much uncertainty. And whereas in other years, we, we enter our children into a school program that has been likely, I mean, charter schools and different schools pop up at different times, but likely well established over the years. Everyone is shooting from the hip this year. No, mm-hmm. no one really knows what they're doing. <laughs> and I know the teachers are deer in headlights as much as anybody else. Yeah. You know, they didn't go to school to learn how to engage on a computer and, and lead a Zoom meeting. And, you know, I was thinking about some, some town halls and meetings we've had through my daughter's school where they were a little bit chaotic. But I would not expect that to be any different from a kindergarten teacher. Now, my husband works in IT, and if he was having a hard time leading a Zoom meeting, that would be a little bit more disconcerting <laughs> that, that we would have that kind of aspect. So we're all trying to meet into the skill set that is totally foreign. And so right. having the opportunity as a parent to say, listen, this is what I'm observing with my child at home. You know, the screen time is too much, and they're coming with this attitude and this antsiness and this emotional fatigue. Well, that might not be something that a teacher would expect or know because they Mm -hmm. also don't see that once the class is over. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's less um, conversation that's happening between Mm -hmm. parents and teachers, um, even in person, even for those those children who are lucky enough to be able to be going mm-hmm. to school, there is still a barrier mm-hmm. due to the pandemic. 
that um, and teachers are the teachers that I know that are teaching online right now are exhausted. They're exhausted from having to figure out all the technology and to be on a screen all the time and preparing in that way. So again, I'll say advocating, can, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out to the teacher um, and and hold, upholding this for your child is really mm-hmm. important because all children are not the same. Yeah. And what I like about where where we're headed with this is it's really turning into, has the possibility of turning into uh, a collaborative experience, mm-hmm. that we're all building this together. And it can be really easy. And I want to, excuse my throat, by the way, we're still dealing with um, fire smoke out here in Colorado, and I'm mm-hmm. definitely gravelly from it. But... Um, that we we're all trying to figure this out and there is so much that is stressful and emotional um these days it just from from work to school to racial tensions to the politics that are swarming around us that this is just can feel like just one more thing and it can feel like one more thing to get mad about of why aren't they and shouldn't they be doing this better and again the gentle reminder of we're all doing the best we can trying to figure this out with incomplete science, uh, social pressures, political pressures. So some of the resources that are available might not be the most ideal resources, but they're what available. Or some of the choices that are being made may not be founded in the best science and reasoning, but there's a lot of social pressure to make it happen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, and we see that. Mm-hmm. But resourcing parents with a collaborative um, attitude, I hope, to say this is what your kids might need, could need, and maybe some very practical suggestions could come out of this to either make your distance learning more um, uh, palatable or find where the rubber meets the road. And you know, as Lori was saying, it's so hard for working parents right now, but if you are logging in, logging off at your child every 30 minutes and having to babysit and be there for the distance learning program, perhaps this will also open your eyes to things that you thought weren't within your reach. And I say this as a parent who was never going to be a stay-at-home mom, was never going to do any of the things I've had to do this year. I get that, that thinking when something isn't in your reach but being forced to to look another way. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my hopes from all of this is that we'll see the negative effects. Mm -hmm. We already know the science of how detrimental it is to children's brains Mm -hmm. to be on technology all the time. But I think for people who maybe didn't want to look at that or think about Mm -hmm. it because we feel guilty because we know we need a little break here and there, um, but that the technology and sitting in front of a screen isn't good. No. It's not good for the children. And so, you know, most of us, too, the the other benefit from all of this is that parents are having to work from home. Mm-hmm. Everybody is working from home. So people aren't expecting, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're having a meeting or when you're having, whether it's over the phone or over mm-hmm. the video conferencing, um, if a child runs <laughs> in or you hear voices in the background, nobody's saying, shh. We can't do that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a wonderful change for families. I love it. I was on a video meeting with about six other people a couple weeks ago. And it was so funny because at some point there were about two or three kids that that came in. And every single time it was the parent of the child that suddenly came on screen that you could watch visibly tighten up and be like, 
oh no, this can't happen. What is my child doing here? And all of the other faces on the screen were going, is that your little one? Oh, hi. Good. Like everyone else is so comfortable with it. But even that person who was so excited to see the other kid, once their kid came on, they tightened right back up too. So there's there's a lot of unlearning for everybody. That's right. And accepting that we are in this human space of we are living and existing within our home, both as working professionals and as parents. And frankly, the idea that those should ever have been kept separate, it, it, it's, it underserves us as people. And now, you know, I've, I've gotten to see all of my colleagues' children that I, you know, probably never would have met. And it's kind of fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives us some flexibility in what we're doing. So, mm-hmm. so the younger children, um, you may, you may <laughs> have noticed this <laughs> as my little during one's this time. About but, four soon. Yes. Know, one month is, away. I can't believe she's going to be four. I know. <laughs> But they need our attention. Mm-hmm. So they need, um, young children need us to be present with mm-hmm. them when we are with them. So we think mm-hmm. about the days when we're um, juggling five different things mm-hmm. and our child's bothering us and then they're bothering us a little bit more and then they start to do something, you know, they knock something over or mm-hmm. they start screaming and yelling. Well, that's because they're, we're not giving them our mm-hmm. full attention. But during this time, I think there's the opportunity to give them the attention that they, they're needing in the moment so that when it is time to be doing something on their own, mm-hmm. that they're able to do that. So that's just a that's just a, something that we do is we should be doing all of the time mm-hmm. with our children. We've just, um, we were living so quickly. The yeah. world was so fast paced. And and then it stopped and, and made a shift Mm-hmm. a really big shift for all of us. So now we're having to reassess what we're doing and how we're doing it. But it's also a great opportunity to um, look at our children and our work and our family lives and mm-hmm. um, and see how we can manage it in a way that actually meets everybody a little bit better anyway. Mm-hmm. So being with the, so when we're with if we can give our child a little attention for a little while and do something with them, and then it's time to go off and do this other thing, they're usually more capable mm-hmm. of doing that um, when it's when, when it's, it's time. time. Well, and I love that point because so much of what our children are asking for, particularly, and, and to be clear, we are really talking about early childhood here. We We're, are. You know, preschool, kindergarten, kind of into that first grade realm. Um, but at this age and older, and, you know, I even hazard to look at your own motives, that whenever our kid is acting out, it's looking for something mm-hmm. and trying to find the right way to get attention from it. And since, you know, infancy when it was really just crying or babbling and cooing, we now, they have a, a much larger arsenal. Um, but it, it's, it's a need. So a child mm-hmm. who's begging for attention, begging for attention, and while we're trying to get through the day that just feels, can feel really annoying, they're literally just begging for attention. So a lot of what we can do is create intentional moments to give them what they need Mm -hmm. so that it's not an ongoing slow leak. That's right. You know. And and then it kind of brings me to that piece that I'm sure we talked about in our last meeting, but um, about having a rhythm and Mm -hmm. a schedule to our day because if we know that, you know, breakfast is at 8 o'clock and lunch is at noon Mm -hmm. and dinner is at 5.30, their children's bodies mm-hmm. um, work in a rhythm. 
So when they, when you have that rhythm of the eating and sleeping, mm-hmm. then you can say, oh gosh, they're getting kind of cranky. Mm-hmm. Oh right, it's it's just about lunchtime, mm-hmm. or it's just about nap time, or it's just about bedtime. Um, so when we start to create those rhythms within our household, um, then we can read the signs that the children are mm-hmm. are giving us, yeah. which you know oftentimes. Yes, they don't. They don't just cry and babble <laughs> anymore. But they throw temper tantrums. <laughs> yes, and um, they scream and yell. And they um, there are a lot of things that they do. But we need to observe what they're needing. Mm-hmm. So usually they're in need of something, mm-hmm. whether it's food or sleep, um, or maybe they don't understand what the consequences might be for their behavior. So they're going to try something because they're looking for your attention but they don't know how you might respond so the Mm -hmm. consistency of of (laughs) the boundaries that you're setting are really important in that as well Mm -hmm. so even more so i mean i always say rhythm is important Mm -hmm. all children need to have that in their life and um but even now i think it's even more important because it brings a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. So everything feels for the adults really out of control. We don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen really in anything. Yeah. And you know what we never really do anyway? Now it's just very But loud. now it's really in our face. So yeah. we, we know that we mm-hmm. don't everything's out of control. So for children they sense these things with that mm-hmm. the parents are feeling. So if we're sensing this anxiety and fear and unknown, even if we're not talking about it, mm-hmm. which we really shouldn't do around young children, talking about all of these things. Mm-hmm. They don't need to have that, um, that fear. Fraud. They yeah. don't need that. They just need to feel safe and comforted by their families. But um, if we're feeling that, the children start to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's our inner mood that they're picking up on. So if we're feeling a lot of stress and anxiety, they're starting to feel stress and anxiety and a rhythm and boundaries and consistency Mm -hmm. all bring a sense of safety to children. And really children of any age. Well, and I would say children of any age up to the adults, because Mm -hmm. I'd like to think about how many conversations we heard and online and social media that through all of the the stay at home, if that did happen in your state or country, that the first couple of days, first couple of weeks, the pajamas, the loungewear, the eat when you want, the whatever, Mm -hmm. and then that just gets kind of old and muddy and murky. And at least the number of conversations I had personally of, you know, I just started getting up at the same time. And I just made sure that even if I stayed in my sweatpants, they were clean sweatpants. I put on (laughs) new sweatpants, which is actually making me think of my postpartum period as well. But, you know, that we create these rhythms for ourselves, that we could have only existed in the, um, you know, the casual come what may of the stay at home for so long before we too started to crave knowing at least something that was coming next. You know, I will get up and I will get dressed. I will make sure that I eat lunch by noon so that I will eat dinner with my family. And our kids need that too. They are, right. they are just as susceptible to needing something to anchor to. That's right. Mm-hmm. They, they learn about rhythm from what we give them. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about a newborn baby. I'm going back very far, but yeah. you know, a newborn baby isn't born with any rhythms really. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to learn when to sleep, when to eat. And, and waking and we help them mm-hmm. learn how to do that. And so they're, they're continually learning that even in through the early childhood years. 
um, about how to feel that rhythm. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, inside of me, I'm feeling, I have that feeling now that it's about time to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And and oftentimes when they're young, we're creating it for them so Mm -hmm. that they learn inwardly what it's coming. So for, you know, it's great to have a bedtime ritual because they might know that when you um, get your pajamas on and you start and you say a verse Mm -hmm. or you whatever it might be that you do, you might light a candle Mm -hmm. before they go to sleep. You might um, snuggle up on the couch and read a story. Um, That's when you might see the child yawn and Mm say, oh, yeah, because they're starting to feel. Mm -hmm. They know that all of these things that we're doing that lead up to bedtime is then I go into my bed and I go to sleep. And this is what tired feels like. And this this is is what what end of the day feels like. Mm -hmm. And... When it comes back to, now to go back to the the wrench that's been thrown into our world and having this technology, all these needs, all these rhythms, and all of the the acting out and the tantrums that come with it, you know, they're they're looking for that sleep, they're looking for food, and we're looking for the signals as that fits in our rhythm. But when we send our early childhood kids into school, you know, they're running around, they're playing, they're, you know, feeling the gravel out on the playground, they're getting sensory experiences in, the, in their kindergarten classrooms, I, I certainly hope. It, it is this full body experience. And now on a, a Zoom classroom, that has all been removed. Mm-hmm. So as parents, it's important to be aware that another need that we need to be on the lookout for is sensory, That's is right. movement, because that movement is how our brains develop. Mm-hmm. Um, way back at the, at the beginning of our podcast recordings, we had Dr. Morgan Sheridan on. And we talked about um, how important movement and cross-body experiences are to rev up the cerebellum, which revs up the frontal cortex, which is where we start to have that thinking brain. Mm -hmm. And it creates balance and coordination. So if you have a kiddo that's just like slowly melting off the couch in front of the camera and they just can't hold themselves up, well, that is their sign, their way of showing, I have a need. Mm -hmm. This is a new need that needs to be met. That's right. And we need to get used to seeing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. They need it. That's when it's like, okay, we're going outside. Mm-hmm. We're going for a walk. Yeah. And if you can't get outside, then you're finding something, another activity that it involves movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make a little um, balance beam. Mm-hmm. You could take painter's um, tape. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can take painter's tape. You can mm-hmm. take some blocks if you have some blocks and they can step on those. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of ways to get children out moving. Um, but it was making me think about the stress that you're talking about, this, mm-hmm. this slouching. Um, also really important to notice the signs of stress in your children. Mm-hmm. So they're not adults, and they're not little tiny adults, so they're not going to say, I'm feeling stressed. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable with the world as it is. Mother, could you please redirect me to a more comfortable and suitable <laughs> outlet for my feelings? Oh, that'd be nice. Well, that would be easy, <laughs> that'd wouldn't be so it? Good. <laughs> so we look at things like reddening of their ears mm-hmm. or flushing in their face yawning, Mm -hmm. um, moving a lot, um, slouching, Mm -hmm. getting really stiff and tense. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of watching for those signs as well, because when we see that, we know that whatever is happening, which at this time is mostly sitting in front of a computer, Mm -hmm. but that's causing stress. Mm -hmm. And so if they're under stressful situation, if they're showing those signs, they're not going to be learning anyway. Mm So whatever it is that the teacher thinks that they need to know by showing them through the screen and they're having stress responses to it, they're not, they're not going to take it in and, 
mm-hmm. and process and learn it anyway. And that goes on, again, into kids of any age. That's right. So that we see that in middle schoolers. I mean, middle schoolers have so much energy. These are the kids that, you know, once we get past that, you know, early growth growth spurt stage, now into that tween era, that's the next big growth spurt stage. And as you're growing, your body is remapping and reorganizing itself. And to, to sit still the whole time doesn't allow the body to remap. And again, that whole thing about cerebellum, frontal cortex, thinking brain, we're not getting any of that. So, you know, your teenagers or your preteens are going to have the same flushing. They're going to have the same rigidity or limpness. They're going to show um, probably more emotional signs of stress, Mm -hmm. but they will be um, on that irrational piece because, of course, that's also the lovely age where we're learning how to handle all of those emotions. That's right. But it's not going to come out in that very clear, I need help kind of form. Mm -hmm. And and frankly, you know, how many adults can even say that? (laughs) Exactly. And all of the tears. Yeah, I'm sure parents are seeing so many tears right Mm -hmm. now with all of this and clinginess. That's Mm -hmm. the other thing I've been hearing from parents is that their children are becoming more clingy and Mm -hmm. not wanting to do things and to try things. And during this time, I think it's also important to remember um, the with the uncertainty, Mm -hmm. especially for children who are used to their rhythms of going to school and seeing their friends and all of that, that we just was part of our regular day Mm -hmm. before all of this happened, um, they're feeling insecure. Yeah. So it's okay. You know, they might need a little more holding, cuddling, Mm -hmm. um, being told stories, Mm -hmm. things that help them. But I was also thinking about sitting in front of the screen. Mm Mm-hmm. And and needing movement, but you know the yoga balls or the yeah. the exercise balls to sit on, mm-hmm. so children aren't just sitting in a chair. Yep, you know, still like this, but there are other uh, ways to sit to have a little bit of movement involved in just the sitting piece. Oh, there's all kinds of. I'm, I'm looking over here in the corner the, of my office, and I've got all kinds yes. of wiggle things over here. Um, yeah, most of them I got offline, and, and I understand that that money is especially can be especially tight for a lot of people these days um, as jobs um, have become. Uh, unemployment go- rate goes up is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, to say just $15 might not be just $15 for your family, but it's it's a cushion that you put only so much air into, so there's a constant wiggle underneath the tush. That's right. And just that would make a big difference. And you can come up with ways of creating this at home, mm-hmm. um, putting a big fluffy pillow underneath, um, something that you have from inside of your house, um, right. saving packaging from other orders that you've gotten, sitting on the big air bubble wrap pieces. Mm-hmm. We can get really creative about how to solve these problems once we know what the problems are. That's Be- right. Because what I've heard is a lot of, this is so stressful, they're screaming, they're crying, they're upset, and I don't know what to do. And it's, I think, empowering and having that education of understanding, this is why. This is what's going on. We, we have put these kids, we have put the, the entire country in an impossible situation. And That's right. we have to make the best we can with it, but this is why it's it's struggling. This is why it's failing. Mm-hmm. And what can we do to solve it? Yes, mm-hmm. we need to hug our children more too. Yeah, They're, we're needing more of that physical. Mm-hmm. So with the crying and the tantruming, oftentimes it's really they're just needing us to just hold them mm-hmm. and just sit quietly and let them have their moment. Yeah, you know that that's another piece of it. I think for any age mm-hmm. to say, "Yep, this is hard." And if you need to sit and cry, um, it's okay. I'll yeah. sit right here next to you. 
and you mm-hmm. can cry. And it's not about hushing the tears or That's explaining right. the tears. It's just letting them come. That's right. Yeah. Letting them be and have mm-hmm. their feelings. And another thing that I think about with um, when it comes to money, you know, things mm-hmm. that, you know, that it costs money to get a ball or to have something mm-hmm. to sit on. But the other thing is having children learn to do things like, you know, mm-hmm. pulling on their fingers, mm-hmm. you know, doing things with their hands mm-hmm. that gives them some in proprioceptive input mm-hmm. in their in their joints in a way that isn't um they won't get in trouble yeah <laughs> if they're in an online class and they're sitting with their hands in their lap and making these gestures or um you know crossing their feet mm-hmm. and even doing a little leg movement and <laughs> and those are i love that you brought that up because those are all really great and there's a lot of evidence and research about these cross-body exercises that are as simple as you know, and if anyone is um listening on podcasts and not on youtube now would be a great time to pop over to youtube and catch this clip <laughs> but also um to explain Lori is taking her fingertips and cupping them around so that the pads of her fingers are kind of touching at the the top of the hand and pulling um, and then mimicking, yeah, crossing. And the way I learned it, because I had a lot of testing anxiety when I was younger, mm-hmm. is to cross, you know, your left leg over your right leg, but then your right arm over your left leg, so that over your right, sorry, your right arm over your left arm, so that we have as much cross body as we can get. And then sitting with that and pushing into it, push your knees together, push your hands together, so that you have that proprioceptive feedback that where am I in space? Where are the bounds of my physical container? And then switch it, mm-hmm. you know, right leg goes over left leg, left arm goes over right arm, and same thing. And those are little fidgets that, like you said, they won't get in trouble for, mm-hmm. versus the wandering off, jumping on the couch, jumping on the dog, and cutting their own hair. Like, those are, <laughs> those are some of the stories I've heard. <laughs> I haven't heard the cutting of the hair one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Just get bored. That's right. Yeah. I'm not interested anymore in staring mm-hmm. at a screen. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. this? So another um, difference that's coming up with this screen time that I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on is the fact that, you know, when we drop, you know, in days gone by, when we would drop our kids off to school, the parents leave and the child is now with another adult having some autonomy um, to learn and figure things out with their classmates and to have, you know, intervention from the teacher. But when there's 20 to 30 or more kids, there's still a lot of autonomy, safe learning experience here. Mm-hmm. And now we have one-on-one or, you know, how many kids you have zone defense with the parents, but they're there. They don't have that autonomy outside of the house. And that's a really important piece for the development as well. Mm-hmm. How do we juggle that, particularly when we have to sign on and off of Zoom classrooms? To give your child the autonomy that mm-hmm. they're needing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that is a really a tricky one. And I think that, again, it kind of goes back to whether if it's on the computer, mm-hmm. what I have to say about computers, I don't love that young children use technology. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessary. But in these days, for people that need to use it, um, it is not rocket science mm-hmm. to teach a child how to <laughs> click on and off of something. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fine to show a child how to do that, yep. which gives them a little autonomy in entering the classroom mm-hmm. because that's what they're doing. They're entering a classroom virtually. Mm-hmm. And um, you can give your, you could even make it uh, 
a ritual in your household that in the morning when it's when you know it's time for school you give your child a hug you might need to get onto the website for them Mm -hmm. i hope that you would do that (laughs) yes here's the computer you remember how to turn on okay see you later (laughs) (laughs) but give them a hug Uh and and if they want you to sit there while they click Mm -hmm. on to to join their classroom that's great you give them a hug and a kiss and you say you know have a have a good have a good day or a good morning or a whatever <laughs> it is. And, and you go off and you do what you need to do. Um, I also think it's a bit uh, unrealistic to expect a five-year-old mm-hmm. um, to be able to just sit and join in in the class and stay there. Some children can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, some children don't have that kind of a problem to just sit and, and join in and feel a part of it. But a lot of children would have difficulty with that. So I think then as the parent, it's also our responsibility to keep them within eyesight, to be able to see mm-hmm. an earshot so that we can so that we can see that they're there. It isn't the autonomy that they get going in to a building mm-hmm. and being with a teacher in person and with other children in person. It requires an extra step from the parents to be there because um, it's just not realistic to say, oh, go off and do your thing, and I'm going to go into this office over here and sure, do my I, work. I got to run some grocery errands here. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. They still need mm-hmm. because there isn't a teacher in the room with mm-hmm. them that can say, oh, over here. We're over here right now mm-hmm. um, because they can't be touched. Mm-hmm. They still need children live really with that sense of touch is really important. So even if it's that you're somewhere nearby where you could even walk over to your child and, and just you redirect, know, redirect, put them back in their spot. Yeah. Um, but that's one way to, to give them a little autonomy. But I just think it's, I don't think it's possible to give them full autonomy. It's finding that fine line between the hovering over their shoulder. So every time they look away, eyes on the screen, eyes on the screen, to... Well, your tush is out of the seat, and now you've wandered five foot off. I'm going to redirect you back in. And and finding what that is for your kid, because every kid is different. That's right. But I love um, the idea of the ritual, because so my daughter is going to in-person school right now, and we do have, you know, my I walk her to school, and my husband will, you know, say, use your listening ears and your kind words, give her a big hug, and that's his goodbye ritual. Mm -hmm. And then I take her to school, and on the corner before she needs to put on her little mask, I give her a big hug and kiss and, you know, tell her to have a good day. So we have these places where we mark transition Mm -hmm. and again when we're logging in and doing school in the eating room or in the cooking room or in the bedroom that idea of marking that transition can kind of get lost so starting to create that container of and I love the autonomy of yeah you can push the button and you can do this you are responsible and I empower you for that that it creates that ritual, that container, and that experience for them, you know. And you know, my my nearly four year old is, you know, rarely on any technology, but she can definitely turn on and off FaceTime to talk to Grandma and Grandpa. Mm-hmm. So I think that if the website's up, you can push the right. You know which red button to push. <laughs> they make technology pretty user friendly. Yeah, and if I can use it, I'm not much better than a five year old, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest. 
So having that ritual which and rhythm, which is part of what we're talking about a lot today, is then to also end the school day in that same way. Because right. there isn't the grab your backpack, let's walk home or drive home and hear about your day. It's cool, that's over, go clean your room or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we try and create that closing? Any ideas there? Well, that it's interesting because mm-hmm. when you talk about grabbing the backpack, it gives yeah. me this, this vision of children and why not in mm-hmm. the morning when when they're in their bedroom, why mm-hmm. not pack a backpack to go mm-hmm. to school? Because there are things that are going to be required, whether it's crayons, maybe they're going to, or a pencil or a pen, or um, even a lunchbox. They could even gather that up and make that part of the day mm-hmm. so that when it's the end of the day and they close the computer, log off, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. say their goodbyes to their friends on screen and their teachers, then they can put all of their belongings back in their backpack, backpack and take it to wherever the spot is that the backpack is kept regularly. Mm-hmm. And then it's, let's go have a snack mm-hmm. or let's go outside or go for a walk. So if it's possible uh, mm-hmm. for the parent at that time of the day, whatever time that is, to also have a break from your own work so that you can greet and meet your child face-to-face and have something that's planned, whether it's... Um, just a little time together mm-hmm. or a little time outside or something to eat. Um, that is also could be a, that, a closing ritual mm-hmm. for the school day. I like the idea of the, of the lunchbox as well as packing the lunch and containing it because another um, story or complaint or issue is that, you know, they're home, the kitchen's right around the corner, and I'm hearing from moms that they are making how many meals throughout the day because now their kids, uh, multiple kids in, at home in different classrooms and their third grader gets lunch at 11 and their fifth grader gets lunch at 1230 mm-hmm. and they're just constantly making meals throughout the day. Right. Well, same thing that happened when we were in school. What can we do to replicate that? Here is your lunchbox. Mm-hmm. And now maybe if you're old enough, you can pop it in the microwave, but mm-hmm. here is your lunchbox. That's right. And it creates the rhythm for the kids to know what to expect when they get food, what their food is going to be. And it also creates the rhythm for the parent because, of course, in all of this, while we're trying to create rhythm for our kids, parents, most of us are still trying to figure out how to work and find, keep our own rhythm as well. Mm-hmm. And imagine... Mm-hmm. Especially if, it, if you have an older child mm-hmm. that really even a kindergartner knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, in preschool they knew. They could get their lunchbox and, and you make it so that they can open their thermos mm-hmm. and open their containers, whatever it is that they need. Um, most of them are fairly self-sufficient if it's there for them mm-hmm. to sit and say, okay, you know, the teacher said it's lunchtime. I'll go get my lunchbox mm-hmm. and I know I can go sit at the table and... I know how to unpack and eat my food. Mm-hmm. But especially for the older children, they can really do that on their own, and then parents don't have to say, oh, my gosh, I've got to go and prepare lunch now. Mm-hmm. But it can just be the usual morning routine of, all right, we're packing our lunches. And the children can help. Mm-hmm. They're all they're quite capable of that. Um, and then at a certain point, then the, the children are old enough to pack their own lunches. Mm-hmm. And then they're able to eat it, and then parents don't have to feel like they have to get up, and, and they can pack the snack in the lunchbox just as you would for school. Mm-hmm. 
And there's even more autonomy that comes in that because, right. again, you know, if you pack that snack in the lunchbox and the snack disappears long before lunch or is eaten in place of lunch or what have you, there are the lessons of, you know, discomfort and hunger and maybe I won't do that tomorrow. But those are the same kinds of lessons that our kids would learn when they're in school, you know, when they are physically in school. If they trade out a nutritious lunch for something that doesn't fill them up and there's crankiness around it, there's a lesson in that. Yeah. So we still have the opportunity, though it looks and feels very different, not everything has to change in that regard. We can keep those rhythms in place. That's right. And I think we don't think about those things because we're like, well, we're at home. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Why would I do that? Yeah. But, but give it a try uh-huh. and see if that makes a makes a difference for everyone. I, I think it would. And I also think that particularly with the younger kiddos that there's a lot of familiarity to that too. Mm-hmm. You know, my little girl is very attached to her owl lunchbox. That is part of her school day. And when we were out of school for her for six months, that's something that she would remark on with some amount of frequency is when she gets to use her lunchbox again, mm-hmm. when that comes back in. And it's mm-hmm. it's a talisman of being part of part of the school Mm -hmm. and even if it's virtual that's still I get to use my fun lunchbox or I get to use my amazing thermos that it doesn't make any sense to use at home it's important it is Mm -hmm. it is and I think it would help it helps the whole family Mm -hmm. you know and having the same the same routines of homework Mm -hmm. you know that this is the time that we do our homework Mm -hmm. this is the time we have our snack this is the time you can just go play and do whatever you'd like for Mm -hmm. a while you know you can go outside you can play in your room um, having those having those times then help them develop those habits back again that mm-hmm. we've probably lost over these six yeah. months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we've all been in survival mode. That's right. So, so really, we, we've been giving a lot of different kinds of advice in a lot of different areas, and so much of it has to do with what your home life is like, what your home space is like, mm-hmm. what your outdoor access is, what your food access is. And everyone's going to be a little bit different, but we really hope that at least some category in here or some piece of understanding is going to help return a little rhythm and return a little bit of, um, you know, trying to use the word normal anymore, but Mm -hmm. uh, familiarity of what's important to you. And if you find one of these things is important to you, maybe it is the a working parent who has figured out the log on log off situation. They got that covered with their work, but if I could just stop making food all day, there's the lunchbox option or, you know, vice versa. Pick one and just see if it starts to move the needle of comfort a little bit for your family. Yes. Mm -hmm. And remember to be kind to yourselves. Yeah. During all of this as well. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, we all, we all make our, we all have it at the end of a day where we're like, oh, that was not a good day. (laughs) I didn't do that so well. And it's okay. You go to sleep and tomorrow's a new day. And so kind of more on that end, you know, we talk a lot how, about how to help the kids and how to help the kids. How, how can we reflect back on helping ourselves as parents and, you know, where these pieces might create um, some consistency? To me, that always helps as a parent. Mm-hmm. But for others, that might feel more rigid. Yeah. How can we help ourselves in these moments? Yeah, try the try the rhythm. Mm-hmm. I know I was the kind of parent that was like, I like to be free. I like <laughs> to do it when I want to do it. Yeah. But then I also realized that my children didn't like that. They didn't respond so yeah. positively to that. It was uh, I felt that more often I was dealing with temper tantrums mm-hmm. or arguments or uh, you know trying to to win over the situation at the mm-hmm. moment. So give that a try. Um, but you know, trying to 
having time to connect with somebody that you love mm-hmm. or that you feel that you can be open with so that if you um, just need to share something from the day, um, having whether it's somebody that lives with you or you're on the phone with mm-hmm. somebody, um, I think it's really important to stay connected mm-hmm. because it's also really easy, easy to feel isolated yeah. right now. And um, speaking for myself, <laughs> not everybody is this way, but I know that the more isolated I get, the harder it is for me to f- feel that I want to come out and um, and connect with people. But then when it comes to connecting with people, I've, there is a joy and mm-hmm. something positive and light that comes from that, and it feeds me. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just part of being human yeah. is, is connection. Oh, I'm the exact same way. The further I get into my little hermit world, the harder it is to pull myself out. Yes. And this, it just makes all the difference. And, and when you talk about connecting with someone and connecting with them authentically, what I would really challenge people to do, because of course we've been talking about this a lot without uh, all of this conversation about virtual and, and school and all that, without any regard to you know the impact of the virus and death and this is scary and all of that remains true mm-hmm. you know the the pandemic exists in in the form that it does but that does not need to overshadow or cast an impenetrable blink impenetrable blanket over the fact that other things are hard too and so to be able to have a conversation with a loved one someone you trust to say authentic authentic wow I'm having a hard time talking today authentically to say you know the reason that we're doing this aside, this is really hard and I'm about to lose my mind over X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Or we tried this rhythm thing that I heard on an amazing podcast. You should listen to it. And now it's really <laughs> working for me. That if we can talk about what is really happening in our sphere, in our sphere of control on the day-to-day. Because, of course, we can't control what our school districts do. We can't control what our city and state um, and global governments do that is but what's within our control is how we handle the situation in front of us and we need to be able to talk to our community about that without getting lost in what we can't control that's right Mm -hmm. absolutely and the other piece of advice I have for people (laughs) this is what I tell my friends who get themselves in a panic about Mm -hmm. about the world is just watch a little less news yeah (laughs) you don't need to hear it every two minutes what Mm -hmm. what the new thing is that's happening um i i find myself now only looking at headlines when Mm -hmm. i need to um oftentimes not even reading the article because i don't need to know more because it might work me up into a frenzy if i read more about something Mm -hmm. i think that is a you know that also has been become a part of our world is Mm -hmm. that we have everything at our fingertips we can find out anything we want at any moment i can log onto my computer i can look at my phone um, all of that, it's, it's really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And to remember that children are also paying attention to all of that. So if you have the news going all of the time on your television mm-hmm. or on your computer um, and you think that they're playing quietly and not paying any attention, they are also listening to that. Mm-hmm. And they're also picking up on the emotions yeah. behind that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, meditation, mm-hmm. exercise... I know it can be really difficult, especially if you're a single parent with young children, but just finding a little piece of the day to meditate, even if you have five minutes before you go to sleep Mm -hmm. or five minutes in the morning before you have to get up and get your children going. 
Um, but the wonderful thing about having young children is that being able to get outside to exercise isn't as hard. Mm-hmm. So you, you might just go for a walk, and at least you're, you're moving your body as well yeah. as your child. Exactly. So again, all of these things that we're talking about, that these kids, these needs, we have them too. And we have just more years and decades under our belt to um, stop listening to the signs that say our body needs to wiggle and we need to move and we need to feel a sense of something besides the chair and the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, we have those signals too. And then once you start paying attention to it, it's... I, I don't even quite know how to describe it. For me, it's it's an ache to just do something a little messy. And that's usually when I'll go out and I'll dig in my garden and look for whatever tomatoes I have on hand or get my feet bare feet on the grass because that's, that's accessible out my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have those urges too. So another thing is an opportunity here to learn from your kids. Right. And, you know, if they're wiggling and, and not handling all that time in front of the computer and it's been two hours for them, it's probably a good sign that that two hours has been too long for you too. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is a constant conversation I have in here with my patients is, can you get up from your computer every 30 minutes? Can you do it every hour? Mm-hmm. Can you do it once a day is sometimes where we're starting. That's right. And we all need that. That's right. So it can be co-learning together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my husband has a desk mm-hmm. that raises and lowers, so he stands up um, sometimes. That is also another option for mm-hmm. <clears throat> for us adults and also for children mm-hmm. who says they have to be sitting in front of a computer. Yeah. Why can they not be standing yeah. or having a different position? Mm-hmm. And in that way, you can put things, I just had this thought come to mind of if they're standing and you have, say, some masking tape, you can create a box around where the computer is to say, this is the view of the screen mm-hmm. so that they don't go wander off from, from that. And I don't love the idea of putting our children in a box, but hang with me here because <laughs> then you can also put different marks on the floor. And if the wiggles need to happen, there can be a stand on one foot here. Stand on what there can be a kind of physical target practice happening within that that also keeps them from wiggling, you know, off onto the off, couch and right off somewhere else. Put some pillows down on the mm-hmm. on the floor where they are. Yeah. Give them some other opportunities. Get mm-hmm. a weighted blanket. Yeah. For them to sit with mm-hmm. or snuggle up in. There are so many different pieces to engage all parts of our body. Yeah. That's true. So if you have any other questions about how to handle the changing norms in front of us, where to meet our kids as they're expressing new needs that perhaps we haven't seen because they've been expressing them in school or we haven't seen because they haven't been stuck in front of a computer for hours at a time, um, you know, don't hesitate to find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Leave your questions. Leave your concerns and comments. Um, I would be delighted to use all of the resources I have available. Um, to answer those questions and Lori does parent counseling so tell us a little bit about Raphael's Garden and where people can find you oh well you can find me at raphaelsgarden.org <laughs> Raphael with a ph mm-hmm. and um, so I am working towards opening a kindergarten next year a mm-hmm. therapeutic kindergarten a program that um, involves movement and meeting the children really where they are on the path with their challenges to help them find their true selves along the way um, in a warm and caring environment. But in the meantime, I am working with parents in this is a great time to um, 
for me to help them work through the mm-hmm. the challenges of the current environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that after parents have been home with their children for six months, <laughs> they've also found, oh gosh, I'm not sure. What do I do about this, this behavior? I'm not seeing a, a shift in. So um, so I offer um, in-person in Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, and also over the phone um, consultations. So that has been going great. I really enjoy working with the parents because Ultimately, my goal is is helping all of the children. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we help the children if we don't help the parents? Yes. Well, and I I will just give the voucher to say that you won't meet anyone who has a bigger heart and better understanding of what our children need and the capacity of us as parents to to meet them at it and finding creative ways that can fit into a, a natural lifestyle. You know, not a lot of bells and whistles, just really simply understanding your children and meeting them where they're at. And that's kind of all they're asking for these days. It does yes. get as simple as that. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, and thank all of you for joining us for another episode of the Healing Ground Movement podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. In the meantime, be well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.